Hey everyone, welcome to episode 170 of 15 with Andy, Tammy, and Jeff. Mm. No, Andy, he's leaving town tomorrow, but I'm not even sure he's coming back for second service today. This is a special Saturday morning edition of the podcast in that we are taping between first and second services due to the news of the day, of the week, and likely for the coming weeks ahead, which is, of course, Hurricane Dorian. And unless you're like Andy last week who needed to catch up on his weather forecast, you've likely dusted off your hurricane plan already. You've waited in line for gas. You've walked into Publix to empty bread and water shelves and added the National Hurricane Center and NOAA to your favorites in your web browser. Which brings us to recording early. Labor Day and a hurricane on our shores with the obligatory rain, wind, flooding lasting likely until Thursday. We figured this would be our only chance. So if you need a one-stop place to stay updated on Dorian, download the FHC app and all the links to the National Hurricane Center, NOAA, and local resources will be there for a quick and easy update. Or at least for as long as I have electricity, whichever goes out first. So, and here's Andy. He has joined us. Thanks, Andy. Glad you could make it. Oh, it's just a pleasure. <laughs> He's like, oh. I was in there trying to figure out how to get my flight back. It's, it's been canceled. Oh, so, no. Yeah. yeah. Did you, were you successful? Oh. Nope. Oh. It's an hour and a half wait time on the phone. Oh, no. <laughs> Push up on the phone. It's like, your approximate wait time is an hour and 32 minutes. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. And so are you going to drive? What are you going to do? We're not going to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Andy. I have my limits. <laughs> You're not driving to, where was it? Can- Wichita. Well, Kansas. Yeah. Why? No. Yeah, that's a- 20 hours. Well, that's not bad. That's a do. That's, yeah, a, that's yeah, a drive sure. straight through. Drive straight through. No, you are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this week we wrapped up our case for kindness series, which honestly, it's been challenging to think about ways that we can take little snippets each week that we've broken down and actually apply them in some tangible way other than just saying, well, that sure was nice. That was a great message by Andy. I, I really think we should think more about this. I don't know what we're going to do about it, but I definitely think we should talk about it more, you know, maybe do something. And today it was proactive kindness. And I love the verse that we're working from here today for proactive kindness, Matthew seven twelve, which says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And this is one of those foundational verses that many of us can recite without even giving it thought. You can give you the chapter and verse as easily as our first name. And it seems to be direct kin to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which is, of course, the greatest of these is love. And I don't doubt that most of us read those verses and we love the sentiments that they hold, as we can imagine those sentiments being directed at us, to us, for our benefit. How is it that we so often forget that Jesus' words are directed at us (laughs) as his followers? Well, how come that part doesn't come into it more easily as just, oh, that feels really, really nice? Can I just say something really quickly? Absolutely. Because the as, as I was listening to it, we do omit a lot uh, when we when we don't say in everything, because the the action the action part of what Andy was talking about this morning is really really good. We have to look at it from the standpoint of this is a positive thing that we get a chance to do. Yeah, but we sometimes don't always think or. Sometimes uh, we don't always um, process, and and I and that's why in terms of in everything, I think it's a really really important piece in everything that you do, whether it's thinking, whether it's writing, whatever it, it might be, would do it as if you were doing it for yourself mm-hmm. or onto yourself. I, I thought it was interesting. Um 
you know, Andy's uh, thought when he talked today about the fact that it's more than avoiding what's bad. It's actually thoughtful preparation of doing good. And it kind of brought to my my mind uh, the Hippocratic Oath because mm-hmm. Andy mentioned in his um, in his paragraph what he was speaking about that, you know, yeah. we live in a healthcare community, a lot of doctors, and I've, I've always known the do no harm mm-hmm. aspect of that. But if yeah. you read the 2019 version of the Hippocratic Oath, there is a lot invested in there of a more proactive, this is how you treat, you, you don't treat the illness you treat the person. This is a, it's a very thoughtful thing. So even in the medical community, you see this golden rule, which I thought was pretty neat. Well, in our bioethics committee this week, we worked on a case that was, you know, a hard case because there's no, there's no relatives to this patient mm. yeah. and, and trying to figure out what is truly in the patient's best interest as opposed to, you know, what's, what, what might the patient even want? We read, we read this great article from an ethics journal about our surrogate work is usually about what, what is the person, what do you think the person would want if mm-hmm. they were, and really what they want is irrelevant mm-hmm. uh, because they might want to be, they might want to die. They might, they might, they might want to, you know, run out of the place and, you know, do AMA or something. But, mm-hmm. but you see, so you really have to ask is what, what's the best they could choose? Yeah. You know, if they, like if they that. were able to help make the choice, what, what, right. what, what are the options? What could be chosen? that would be good. Mm. Well, I like the fact that you brought up the Hippocratic oath because recently, I think it was about two weeks ago, the top, what was it? The top 25 CEOs of the largest companies in the world basically got together and rewrote like what their, what their, it was part of a larger committee that I can't, it's a group of these CEOs that get together once a year. And this year they actually changed instead of we are beholden to the profit, uh, the uh, the shareholders' profits and things of this nature. It's actually they've moved it to – now that's not saying they're actually going to do it. Sure. But at least in the time that we're living in. In theory, it's good. In, in theory that we're going to be focused on the needs of our consumers. Yeah. We're going to try to live – we're going to try to do less with ourselves as far as bonuses and these. And we're going to uh, put that into our workforce and we're going to try to lift people up. And it was very benevolent in yeah. wording. So even at that, if you start to look at it from just that part alone, you think, well, geez, if they can do that, multi-billion dollar corporations, I mean, the least we could do as Christians and, mm-hmm. and professed Jesus followers, right, right, is we could make an effort to right. and, do and better. I, there's a suspicion we all have immediately when, when big business says, I'm going to do this for the consumer. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Of course. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> the consumer is, is still the consumer. You need them, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. And, and I think there's a tendency for us to think negatively about that mm-hmm. and be a little skeptical about it. Whereas we as Christians, we have no, yeah. we, we, there's no dog in the hunt, really. I mean, we ought to be taking care of people well. Our yeah. manifesto has been put before us yeah. for a long time. Right. It's not like this needs to change. I was intrigued by the parallels that you described the rabbinic teachings and Jesus' extensions of those stories. And it kind of goes along with that, <laughs> explaining things in a new way for a new and truer understanding. I immediately thought about and asked myself the question, what do we hear from our information channels each and every day? And sometimes our main one is us. Mm -hmm. And that's not always positive, as you brought out, Andy. What do we tell ourselves about the way things are? And what would Jesus say to me after his start of, well, Randy, you've heard it that it was said, Randy, but I say unto you. (laughs) And it's like, how do we filter the noise of our understanding and then apply the message of this verse alone and apply that to our lives and try to figure out what is it that we're holding on to versus what is God trying to tell us in this as it relates to trying to be proactive in, yeah. in what we're doing. I think it goes back to the, the first of the series, because if you get poverty in spirit right, 
<laughs> if you can really believe oh, that you don't have anything to bring to the table, it should free you because there's nothing to be protected. Yeah. It's, it's not, you don't have right. any stuff. But I have stuff, Andy. <laughs> I, I want to protect my stuff, but I don't. I don't feel like I have anything to give in that. Well, regards. I think part of the challenge, too, is I think in our culture nowadays, we're really getting mixed messages, even from the Christian community. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that makes it a challenge because it, it, depending on which way I lean, I think I can find justification in scripture and <laughs> people who are kind of my side of the thing. And I think, you know, if we try to wash all that away and just come back down to the basic about what Christ has called us to do, it, it it's pretty simple. We can try to justify things away, but it's really clear about how we're supposed to act. You know, the example that Andy gave at the end of his sermon about the this circular type influence or uh, taking the golden rule to, you know, self and then family and relatives kind of going on an outward mode to understand that we do need to be conscious and aware of people other than ourselves, people yeah. that are different from us. And that's that's definitely not always our first reaction. And we, we try to justify that away in a lot of different ways. Well, so. Gina and I were talking about for the service because she had recommended a book that I, I got called The War for Kindness. And it's really a book about, about how to empathy and sort of how empathy is formed and mm-hmm. a lot of interesting research and that kind of thing. And how that people can – there was there, she's talking about one study in the book where they – had people in the class write about why they liked their favorite soccer team. And then they had to leave and they had to walk over to some other area. And there was a person collapsed on the sidewalk in in a, in a soccer uniform um, of their team or an opposing team or, you know, and, and when would they stop and start? And if they had written about their favorite soccer team, they were thinking very parochially about their team and they would only help their team members, basically. Wow. And, and then all they, did, all they changed was write about why you love soccer. And, they, and the people stopped for every soccer player, mm-hmm. no matter what the uniform was. So, wow. so it, how we think, and, and the, more, the more colloquial we are, the more insular we mm-hmm. are, the more unkindness seems to be creeping up. Yeah. And so well, that's why when you do world travel and you, you you go and experience other cultures, sure. you come back with a different view of your own reality. And, and you're, you're open to people thinking differently. And you're kind to those people because you've met nice people in other places that yeah. aren't like you. And and so just the more insular we are, the more dangerous we are toward unkindness. Not that that'd be any message to denominations, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we take if we take the call to be kind to God's children. Well, then you don't have to be kind oh, to those who are not God's children. And well, who would that be? All the people who are not part of my group. They're not God's children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how people wow. think, unfortunately. There it is, that unfortunately. It's very true. Man, yeah. that was Andy's, Andy had that one, right? He was, he was waiting for that yeah. one to come across the plate. Oh, man. Well, I, I found it interesting, the the wise counsel of similar philosophers all focusing on what not to do mm-hmm. and, and, you know, obviously. Which taking, is still good advice. Right. No, it oh, was. Oh, sure. Yeah. You, you don't want people slapping. You don't yeah. slap people, you know. And it really makes the proactive part very beautiful when you think about it. And I like, I don't remember the exact words you said when you, you made some reference to that. You know, this really makes me feel good. It makes me feel like this is something I should do. It's noble. But then you said. As if we didn't have enough already to do. Our lives are full. Most of us aren't sure we can keep up with just taking care of ourselves and our families. And now it sounds like we have to be not just taking care of everyone around us, but taking care of them to a level of our personal preference. Ouch. 
were we to be in their shoes? How do we take this proactive approach and not just throw it by the wayside because it seems like if I was to really invent, and I'm not talking about yeah. like the world here, but when you see that person who you, you know, the Holy Spirit taps on your heart and is like, that's a person that could use your help. Do I ignore it? Do I do it? But if I stop and think about it from the proactive approach, I'm going to have to say, you know what? I can't just go and get them a snack. I can't just go get them a bottle of water. It's 110 degrees out with the heat index. I really should just, I should, I would want to get in in the AC. (laughs) I'd want to take a shower. I'd want to get some fresh clothes. So do I take two or three hours out of my day and do what I would really want? Whoo! That then, then I'm not sure I'm answering the call as often as I should be right. in that. I, I, how do we? Well, it's it's interesting. I served at um, Daily Bread with a with a Rotary Club on Thursday, and you know these people that come. I mean, they're a lot of them are on the street or you know in really yeah. bad ways, and and some of them you can tell have some mental issues, and there's health issues, and it's just sure. all kinds of issues. And what's really exciting though is that we, they they're served a meal. That we'd all be happy to sit down and eat. I mean, that was a vegetarian, but I mean, you know. But I mean, the quality of the food, uh, the the presentation of the food was all. I mean, it was well done, and so it's like they weren't getting like just like scraps of crud. Uh, it was, yeah. it was yeah. and, and I think that's the idea is what what would what would be good enough for me mm-hmm. and could I do for them. I think. Too, though, again, it goes back to the, in everything because I think Andy mentioned when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, the opportunity is constantly presenting itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and this, yeah, this is the part that I think that none of us realize is that, yes, it may be an overt thing that we do, like the food kitchen. But I think back, Tammy uh, and Chrissy are a part of what our church does once a year. And it's called meat worship sir now we're doing some things monthly but um but it's not meant to say oh yeah one time during this period we're going to serve people the idea is that we're trying to foster a mindset that this is around us all the time yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, and so i think whether it's the things that we actually go out and do or it's the people we talk to or the conversations that we have or the or the planning that we do in, inside of uh, maybe with your children or with your friends or in your conversation. I think that's the part that we need to be thinking about from the standpoint of the opportunities there. We may not always see it, but even in our even in the most superficial conversation that we think that was that was for nothing, we can actually be a part of this kind of do unto others. And and I think it's a real valid thing to consider our communities and the homeless people and different things like that. But sometimes when we do that, it's easy to look beyond the family because some of us, all of us live in dysfunctional families, let's face it. But um, (laughs) Tammy, (laughs) if you say family dysfunctional is just part of it. Exactly. exactly. Um, and, and, And sometimes what we need to do is we need to address that person that's closest to us that we have not been kind to. Right. You know, and maybe we just need to start there. Yeah. Or how it looks like, and I I don't use social media a whole lot, but what does that look like? You know, in my conversations on social media, uh, (laughs) as I, you know, because most of the time I'm trying to get my point across and it goes back to this idea of, 
entitlement where I think my idea is the best and I'm going to fight for it. Yeah. Um, at, at what cost is that? Yeah. Even in and to what end? And to mm-hmm. what end? Yeah. 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 If we would each just take that golden rule and use it in our social media profiles, <laughs> oh my world. word! Yeah. Seriously, it would change the world. Well, and yeah. the one that really stuck with me the most from what you had for us this morning, Andy, was start with yourself. Mm-hmm. You yeah. didn't start that concentric circle with the world. You didn't right. start it with your spouse. You didn't start it with your family. You started it with you. Because I think we can probably all relate to no matter what we think of each other. And you think, well, Tammy, she must have great self-talk. I mean, she seems so put together and she's always <laughs> kind to people. So her self-talk has to be like really good. Like I would like to emulate. I, I can only imagine I would want to emulate my internal self-talk like Tammy. But we've all been there where we beat ourselves up Absolutely. so bad for missing Absolutely. an opportunity or realizing that, man, that really was the Holy Spirit tapping on me. And I just totally – I turned my back. I walked away. I was unkind to my family. I was unkind on social media, all these different things. That's what stuck with me most because that I think that is almost like you're saying in everything – if it doesn't start there, how can we sure. possibly send that out? I go back to playing tennis because I used to just – I used to just basically cuss myself yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were the worst to yourself. Yeah. Like, so, I would never coach anybody like I coach myself. <laughs> that was that was sage advice, though. To try to you know talk yeah. to yourself and, and work at like you would a child, like you're trying to get them to understand how yeah. to be kind and how. Can to... you imagine us talking to our toddlers? Yeah. Come on, walk. You stupid idiot! You yeah, just yeah, fell yeah. down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your third step. I can't believe you're falling down again. I can't do this. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes that I heard for actually the first time in person at the Catalyst conference in Atlanta and one you quoted this morning, Andy, was from Andy Stanley. He said, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And I've always thought of that quote from the moment I heard it. And I thought of a time in my life and anytime that this comes up, I immediately go back to that and think of a time in my life when I wished that there had been someone to just help Mm -hmm. just a little, maybe listen a little, or maybe just a kind word was what I needed at that time. I don't think we give enough credit, like we talked about a little bit earlier to the little things and their impact on just the little things. And that's a great one. Just like, what could I do Mm -hmm. for someone that would just make their day better? Even if it's small, it's always a, and and we think, we think we're, we, we're going to set precedences. We talk about this sometimes as the office, you know, setting a precedent. Is this, yeah. If we do it for this person, we got to do it for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it's all, it's all different. Uh, you, you do what you, you do what you think you can do and you ignore. And you, Andy Stanley in his sermon where he actually, this came, this statement comes from, he says, just give up being fair. He said, God's not fair. <laughs> nothing's fair. It's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. That was part yeah. of that. Absolutely. Well, I think this this week might give us some really golden opportunities to practice this golden. Oh, there you, go. you know, here in Central Florida, if there's anything that the lines, the hoarding, the fighting mm. over the next gas pump has shown us just this week in preparation is that there's a huge need for golden rule living every day. And then more so in times of great need, whether that be personal or in this way as a community, a state. So this way, you may not have to look too hard to find your opportunities. Mm -hmm. But this week, one of our FHE takeaways asked, how does Golden Rule Kindness bring our vision to reality, a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community? Ultimately, if there was one thing we could all agree to just think about this week and just 
kind of consider. We might have a little extra time on our hands is all I'm saying. And there might not be power. There might not be like, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. But it's supposed to be in Wichita. It's supposed to be in Wichita, <laughs> Kansas with my, with my grandkids. But this would be something that, again, this isn't something that we're looking for an answer, but this is something to contemplate because honestly, if we took some time and if we could all just agree that maybe we could just be a little bit more kind yeah. in everything that we do, that'd be a huge, huge thing. Yeah. All right. Our final thoughts are from Andy's message. I absolutely loved these couple sentences. He said, get intentional, look for opportunities to do good. Wake up every day and see yourself as a gift to the world. Determine that you will be a contribution. Throw yourself into life as someone who makes a difference, who lives the golden rule and makes the world a better and kinder place because you were here. Goodness gracious. That's good, Andy. That was that was really good. And that That's was me and Ben Zander. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's upcoming this week? Um, you know, if the church is still here after Dorian, I mean, I know yeah. the I4I store is going to make it, but if we make it, what's coming up next week? It's our university Sabbath and our guest speaker will be Ernie Bercy, who teaches oh. at ADU. Ernie's always, always worth listening to. Yeah. Yep. He had a so great message last year. You want to be, you want to take the privilege to hear Insightful. somebody who really can preach well. <laughs> Come next week. Oh, man. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Please, please, please stay safe out there. Batten down the hatches. Get your last-minute hurricane snacks and pray for power and electricity. I know I am. Stay tuned to the FHC app for the latest updates, cone projections, local emergency resources are all there. If you haven't downloaded it yet, it's available for both iOS and Android. So hopefully we will see you all next Wednesday. And hopefully if we can, Dr. Bercy for episode 171. Thanks for listening and have a great week.